Hello, and welcome to Our Extraordinary Podcast. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're covering episodes 209 and 210, Zoe's Extraordinary Mystery, written by Samantha McIntyre and directed by John Terlewski, and Zoe's Extraordinary Girls' Night, written by Alicia Carroll and directed by Richard Lewis. So that means we have two episode descriptions, right, Danny? That's right. For episode 209, IMDb says, after going to see a medium, Zoe's powers mysteriously start glitching again. And for episode 210, it says, Zoe gets more than she bargained for when she tries to help Emily with a problem. Maggie reconnects with an old friend. Max, Simon, and Mo have a bonding night together. Yeah, I like how it says it's about girls' night, but it's also about boys' night. Yes, boys' night. Indeed. <laughs> I really need a spa day. Oh, God. Oh, immunity juice, come to me. Get in my veins. <laughs> Um, All right. So yeah, we have a lot to cover for sure. But we'll start as usual with initial reactions. So what did you think of these two episodes, Danny? I loved both of them. I mean, the glitch ones are always just so much fun. Like, I mean, I kind of figured out like the glitch like pretty early on. Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, they obviously swapped songs. (laughs) But it was really fun. Although... I am missing hearing Zoe sing during Glitch episode, so that kind of made me sad. But we had a lot of new contenders this week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked that episode, and then I liked 210 as well. I, I think I liked 210 a little bit more than I liked 209. Yeah, I mean, 209 was really fun for the most part, right? Like, the ending is very sad. Um, yeah. But it, it kind of felt a little bit like an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like... <laughs> Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, just like Mo and Zoe uh, on the Magical Mystery Tour or whatever. <laughs> but I also agree. Like, I thought this was a, a really good set of episodes. I mean, I've, I've said this, like, every time, but this back half of the season, I'm just loving. I feel like it took me, like, I liked the first half, but I felt like I couldn't fully get into it. And now I'm just like, yeah, bam, 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 everything's a winner. I definitely don't feel the same. I really hmm. like, I've liked this whole season. It does feel very different from the first season and I think Mm -hmm. that's like something I think that could be it yeah well but I think that's part of it is that I don't I feel like that's not that was true the first half and less the second half like it is different from season one but there is just that more cohesive arc across the second half of the season which I appreciate I feel like that's true but I also feel like it almost is intentional Mm -hmm. like because like Zoe's a little bit lost and like you're obviously like Mitch is gone and like that's like a big like missing piece so it's like been like a journey like with her you know so I don't disagree I just personally like the cohesive arc better (laughs) I will say that like of these two episodes I love a good glitch episode the fact that we got eight Musical numbers for Mystery was, I mean, like, the cherry on top of a perfect Sunday. And I also, of course, appreciate them tackling depression and the impact for Emily of being the one who kind of has to, like, hold it together while everyone else gets to fall apart. Yeah. But I think, like, the big thing for me is this long arc across the two episodes of, which really has extended back even further. Like, we've seen it in bits and pieces throughout the season, but, like, really in these last two episodes... Zoe is realizing that she relies way too heavily on her powers. Yeah. And that it actually prevents her from paying attention and engaging meaningfully with the people in her life who she loves. And I think that's a really good twist and 
it makes me very interested to see where the show is going to go since like that superpower is at the heart of everything. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting seeing her go to therapy. Like, how's mm-hmm. how's that going to work out for her powers? Finally. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> and just like you said, like, she has been relying too heavily on it. And I do like that. It's like the medium, like, points it out to her. She's like, you need to hear someone sing a song to know that they're sad. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So because we're covering two episodes... Well, one, we should get into the deep dive pretty quickly because it's going to be a lot to get into. But uh-huh. two, um, I tried to make this deep dive a little bit more theme-based than like trying to cover every single arc or beat in both episodes just okay. to like condense things. So I thought we would start out with this depression storyline because I think there's there's so much here in the way that Emily is trying to reach out, in the way that she's constantly deflecting attention away from herself, even though she knows she needs help, in the way she feels like she has to keep it together because she kind of feels like everyone else is going through it worse, mm-hmm. even though, right, like, that's not a thing. <laughs> um, and I just felt like it was a really honest and accurate portrayal of depression, and it, it very much resonated with my own experiences, though I can't, of course, speak to the postpartum aspects of it, not having a kid. And... Yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask you where how you thought of it and like how it how it resonated or didn't with your own experiences. Some of it like really hit me hard. Like I I was anytime that they kind of like really got into it, like mm-hmm. I was like sobbing as I almost always am when they talk about depression and anything. But something that I did notice that I found to be interesting was that it seems Like, I'm not sure if postpartum depression is, like, the only thing she has going for Mm -hmm. her. And I'm wondering if her singing the song Gasoline is, like, a clue Mm -hmm. of some sort. Because that song is about Halsey's bipolar disorder. I mean, maybe. I'm not going to diagnose character. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get into that can of worms. But um, I do think, like, so postpartum depression, no, I'm not an expert, but... Yeah. The there were a few things that I think clue us into the the sort of unique aspects of that. So one mm-hmm. of them is this idea that your kid is going to be better off without you. Yeah. That's something I've seen before in like discussions of postpartum depression. I do also think that like I think I would it, it you know, I'll let the show make whatever diagnosis it wants to make, but I think that Emily's coping mechanism is to throw herself into work a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? Like she is she has a lot of her identity tied up in being competent and high performing and high achieving. And so I kind of see some of like, I see the going to the club thing as kind of an extension of that. Like if you stay busy, then you can't, you can't think. Yeah, exactly. You can't think about the thing that happens. Yeah. Whether it be baking or just like spending time with her son and like, just like, she's just constantly go, go, going. Yeah. And it's interesting that she chose Zoe kind of to initially reach out to and, like, bond with over this. And I feel like it is because they do have, like, this very similar energy of, like, how they deal with issues. Like, they're both very, like, hardworking women. And I think they both really have trouble opening up to other people, even in moments when they are perceptive, right? Like, Yeah. But going back to, like, the actual depression part of it, the whole, like, 
I think he'd be better off without me and just like their conversation there. Like I feel like it hit me like really hard because like I don't have a child, but like I've been there repeatedly with just like human beings in my life. It's just like depression just like warps your brain and like fucks with you so much, even though there's so many people who love you and care about you. And it's like logically, like she says, you know that, but you just can't feel the love. Yeah, because you kind of can't feel anything, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's actually a really – I mean, people talk a lot about how, like, depression isn't feeling sad all the time. It's, like, not being able to feel things. But I think that's a really important part of it is that you, you can't feel love, right? Like, you can't – it's not just that you can't feel things that originate inside of you. You also can't feel things that other people are trying to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally really related to the way that, like, Emily deflected everyone's attempts to talk to her about it. You've known me long enough that I think you have seen this, right? Like, if I don't want to, if I'm feeling down, I might mention it, but if I don't want to talk about it, that's all you're going to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people who are like that Yeah. with their mental health. For me, it depends on, like, what it is I'm going through. Yeah. Whether or not, like, I want to talk about it. I do like, though, like, how she clearly, like, subconsciously, like, wanted the help. She kept oh, yeah. reaching out to Zoe. And those texts, right, like, they got progressively more random, which I think is, right, like, that's the desperation. It's the, I can't ask for help, but I know I need to connect with somebody. So, like, what is the thing that I'm looking at right now <laughs> that I can use to to create that connection? Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously, like, as viewers, like, we picked up on it every single time that, like, Emily was saying something or, Mm -hmm. like, even, like, before she goes and sees the medium, she asks. Oh, yeah, she asks the medium. She says to, like, ask the medium if she'll ever feel joy again. I saw your comment in your notes about that. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like that is a prevailing emotion of 14 months of pandemic. (laughs) Will I ever feel joy again? (laughs) Uh. But yeah, I mean, that is the really hard thing about depression is it it makes it hard to reach out. And even when you do and someone reaches back, it's just hard to take that, right? Like it's, you feel like you don't deserve it or like it's happening just out of pity. Like you go to all these dark and paranoid places that prevent you from, like prevent you from actually getting what you need even when it's being given. Yeah. It's always just a constant spiral down. Yeah. I really appreciated Simon's advice to her to keep going. And then I also was like really irritated that later they had Simon say, see, I'm attributing this to the writer and I feel a little bit bad about that. But like that later, one of the things Simon said was like, oh, she's going to be fine. Like you don't have to keep going after it. I was like, your dad committed suicide. I feel like, like he just needed... That. I feel like he just needed a better way of saying it. Like, I understand what he's trying to say, but he said it wrong. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, that feels out of character to me. It didn't necessarily feel out of character. I also do feel like it was coming from this place of like, but Zoe, I want to hang out with you. He's very needy and very clingy. He is a a clingy boyfriend. Like, even when he was, when she like walks in on him and he's coaching and then he gives her the advice, like, oh my God, it was super intense. It was like, yeah, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. Now go make the play. Yeah. He is like (laughs) kind of manic a little bit sometimes. I love him though. I love him, too. He's like a big old puppy dog. But I just, I feel like he's going to end up suffocating Zoe. Like, I really do like a lot of aspects of their relationship. But, like, oof, he needs to stop pushing. Like, he's very much a pusher. 
just makes me I think push of mean things. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Emily. I said this before, but she is somebody who who is like always doing things. Like that is how she yeah. handles any intense feelings that are going on in her life is to yeah, like you said, like bake or take care of people or do her job or throw herself into like whatever projects. Yeah. But of course, like when you're really in it, that like that only goes so far. And when you're really, really depressed, it it just makes things worse a lot of the time. And so I think like at least in the part of her life that we've seen, this feels like the first time where that strategy just, like, straight up isn't working for her anymore. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I feel like it, it gets that way for, yeah. for almost anyone, like, who struggles. You just, like, you get to a point where it's just, like, okay, like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't just yeah. keep I mean, putting it's burnout, it out, right? Like, you can't yeah. – you just can't push – the boulder up the hill forever yes i have just rewatched all of the good place for like the sixth time this pandemic <laughs> but yeah i mean i think i felt like it was just a really great portrayal of it and we'll get to this more when we get to the singing but i i think alice lee did a really good job of like showing all of the ways that like all of the different emotional sides of that and the ways that, like, you shut yourself off and shut down when you're depressed. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was really pleased to see it. I loved the conversation between her and Zoe on the bed. Just, like, where they're both kind of talking through how it feels. And you can... Even though I don't know that Zoe has struggled with depression in the same way. The way that, yeah. like, she is able to access the things she feels in her grief and relate them there and use that to help... Emily, I thought was really great. She doesn't feel like someone, yeah, who has depression. I definitely feel like she probably had it like a little bit like grief depression, like yeah. after, but acute depression. Acute depression, than yeah. Chronic. Um, she definitely has anxiety. She's got that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they can be similar at times, and yeah. they can definitely like blend together. I really do just, like, kind of, like, love the moments between them in general just because, like, I feel like – I just feel like Zoe's just been on this journey of, like, mm-hmm. being closer to people in general and, like, letting people in and – And taking care of them too, right? Like, taking on responsibility for other people and helping them. Yeah. I feel like if all this stuff hadn't happened and she didn't get these powers, it's like I feel like maybe her and Emily would just, like, never even – become close yeah like just be those in-laws that are just in-laws you know yeah because they weren't really close before that that moment in the first season when emily was freaking out yeah and just seeing their friendship is just like really just like sweet and like i think one of my favorite like really small touches is after the the musical number in the bathroom she like holds her hand like underneath the like bathroom stall it was just so sweet yeah it was good Well, that seems like a good place for us to segue into talking about Zoe's powers and her sort of journey with them. Because I think when you look at these two episodes together, you start to see that Zoe's relationship to her powers really is changing like we were talking about. (laughs) In season one, when she first gets them, they're this thing that's forced on her that sort of makes her start paying attention to other people in her life. Mm -hmm. And then in season two, we're seeing a little bit more how they can limit her and hold her back. Because they they only take her so far, and if that's all she's paying attention to is the signals that they give her, she's missing really important stuff. Not just in her friends' lives, but also in her own, right? Like, it it also takes her away from paying attention to what she's feeling and what she needs. So, 
What do you think about the direction that things have been going in? I mean, like, I'm curious to see, like, are they going to stay around forever? How is she going to balance that? Is, like, getting help going to, like, make that go away? Like, I do really like that it's, like, it's made her start to pay attention to other people because I really just, like, don't feel like she would be someone who would reach out yeah. to any of these people. She had one had friend before and it was Max. Deal with it. Yeah. And like even like in the in the glitch episode and how she like reaches out to even um Max's girlfriend, Rosanna. Rosanna. She like reaches out to her even after she's figured out what's going on even though she like doesn't really have to. I feel like it's changed her for the better. Yeah. In some ways, but like she also needs to pay attention to like other things as well. Yeah, it's like training wheels and she needs to she needs to learn how to ride the the big kids bike. Yeah. I really appreciate how seriously the show takes her powers, I think, and and like the impact that they have on her life and the people around her, which I don't know. I like I don't know, maybe that sounds weird, but like a lot of superhero shows or shows that have supernatural elements, like the powers are just a gimmick. It's it's just something that like is used to forward the plot or to like create certain types of conflict, but not internal conflict in a character's life really. And I I appreciate that it hasn't ever really been like that in this show. Um and I think what we're coming around to in the season is this view of her powers as a as a tool that isn't like inherently good or bad. It's it's about how she uses them and how she engages with them. Like we mm-hmm. we see that too in the way that Zoe's approach to her powers changes over time. It's like seeing them as a burden at first, then something wonderful when she gets to speak to her dad again using them, mm-hmm. and now seeing that there's a lot to them and it's it's not just good or bad. Like these the sort of binary thinking that we have around like this has to be a good thing or it has to be a bad thing. I feel like a I feel like that's starting to fall apart and it's I mean, if you've ever been to therapy, you know binary thinking is gonna fall apart even more in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so I am also curious where it's gonna go. Well you were talking like I can't really imagine she's really gonna get rid of them and while you were talking I was wondering like Maybe this is more about her learning to control them or to to sort of tap into them more consciously. Yeah. Yeah, so like less about like something is happening that she isn't trying to pay attention to or that like she wouldn't care about or whatever and more like hey, I want to like give you my full attention and that also means being able to hear your heart songs. Yeah, and like also maybe take moments to somehow be able to maybe like ignore them i don't know Mm -hmm. if that's possible for her but like i do feel like yeah like control like and that is a huge like superhero cliche like uh like the characters need to learn how to control their powers to become like who they are truly meant to be or whatever but it's such an interesting thing that they have going for it in general because like they even have that like joke in there basically about like you know psychics like not being like a real thing and then she's just like well like you have a power that you can't explain yeah yeah so So what's the difference (laughs) yeah and and she even said to her like it's not all about just like the power it's also like the connections that you feel with other people yeah so yeah i am really curious like i don't think they'll ever get rid of it if they're Mm. gonna get rid of it it's gonna be at the end of the show obviously Maybe, like, one or two episodes without the powers. Like, that's all I could see. I wonder, too, we had sort of jokingly talked about, like, a a power body swap episode. Oh, I would love that. Well, I wonder if maybe there's a more conscious version of that where she 
where she could like share it with somebody else so they can see her heart songs or something like that. Because that could be a really interesting way to push some of the relationships forward. And I'm more of a fan of uh, Zoe and Simon than you are, but I still recognize that you are a Zomax OTP and also that that's just like probably where the show is going, just like looking at the way that these things usually pan out. Yes. <laughs> I feel like unless the show doesn't get renewed for a third season, which yeah. fuck, I really hope it does. But like star-crossed lovers, try something, it's the wrong time, it doesn't work, everybody tries a different thing, you come back and have your soulmate thing at the end. Like, that's a thing. I just love that they're still friends, though. Yes. but Like, they are all legitimately still friends with each other and care about each other, and I love that. I do, too. The point I was trying to make about the powers, though, is that, like, I could see that being an equalizer for her and for her and Max, right? Like, Max's big hump that he can't get over is that he feels like she always has this insight that he doesn't have. Yeah. And if she could figure out— And he brings out- that up in the glitch episode. Yes. Like— so if she could figure out a way to to share that insight or to to like turn it back so that he can see that, then, you know, I could see that being a way that they get them back together in the future. That would be really interesting. And I definitely would follow in like the small like superhero kind yeah. of gimmick yeah. thing of like sharing your powers <laughs> temporarily with someone. Yeah, I would really love to see that. And like obviously like we're on the precipice of Simon finding out like it's going to happen soon. It, yeah, it well, especially because, up, like, like yeah. He's on to it. Yeah, well, on the boys' night, everyone being like, oh, no, I've never felt like that, which is, like, y'all are terrible liars. They it's were so, so bad. Yeah, just be he, like, they oh, were yeah, so, she's super intuitive. Like, that. They were so sus, and I was like, either Simon is blatantly ignoring the fact that they are sus because he doesn't want anything to be wrong, <laughs> or, like, he's just playing it cool over there. Like, I mean, obviously, they're gonna, he's gonna find out soon, but it's just like, uh, I'm like, the end is nigh. Yeah. So, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about with respect to like this the sort of changing arc in Zoe's powers is just the therapy and I think even if the reason is because of her powers right like going to therapy she's gonna have to seriously work through the emotional impact of losing her dad right like we have been talking about this for the last few episodes that it feels like she's finally getting to a point where she's ready to face it and therapy is going to force her to face it in ways that aren't just confronting her powers so yeah I'm excited. I found it to be so interesting, though, that she's going to talk about her powers with her therapist. Like, I wouldn't want to. Well, we'll see, right? Like, (laughs) she she said powers, but she may end up just saying, like, I'm really intuitive, right? Like, (laughs) it sounded like from some of the, like, articles I had read about, like, Mm -hmm. his casting and everything that she is going to open up about her powers to him. I mean, but I also was just like, it's so so. weird to see, I know, so weird to see Oscar from The Office outside of The Office. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I literally don't think I've seen him in anything else. I don't think I have I mean, maybe I have, but if it was, it was like a one and done bit part. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's going to be, it will be really interesting. Regardless of which way it goes, it's going to be really interesting. And I am just excited to see her, like have to feel her feelings for once. (laughs) There's no way that can be anything but good for her. I mean, you know, maybe temporarily a little overwhelming, but ultimately good. I know I keep telling myself I need to go to therapy, but for some reason, like, I always get, like, some weird sick, like, sick satisfaction out of watching fake therapists call out fictional characters. (laughs) Then you definitely need to go to therapy so that (laughs) you can experience it for yourself. (laughs) 
I know it's so much less fun when you're the one being called on your bullshit. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> um, all right, two more topics. The next one for me is the way that Maggie's friends just like don't know how to act around her now that Mitch is gone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's two things going on here. So first, really engaging with it and being there for her, I think for them would mean like confronting their own mortality and the fact that they might lose people that they love. And most people are not good at that. And it seems like her friends are just really not ready to do that. But also, though, like, why would you just like invite a bunch of couples and like nothing else? Well, those are her friends. I think that's it. I get that. But like, I would be like, maybe just invite the females. Like, they don't all have to hang out with like, you know... Yeah, They're that's true. Other at all fucking times. But she may just not have thought of it, right? Like, it's the first time she's seeing most of these people since her husband died. She's just like, do the thing that we always did. Yeah, but, like, I mean, Maggie's going through it still. Yeah. Like, there's a lot there, and it was a big oh-no moment at the end of the episode. Like, clearly she's going to be getting into gambling, it looks like. I'm freaked out about that. I... I feel very protective of Maggie, and I really don't want to see bad things happen to her. Yeah. I just thought it was so funny, though, seeing Deb again, because, like, didn't we say that we were like, well, maybe, like, she'll come back and they'll be, like, lesbian lovers or something? Bring it! And I was like, Deb was definitely seemed like she was coming on to Maggie a couple times, so. Yeah. Okay, so the, the, the other part of this, though, I think is that, like, in the West, and in the U.S. particularly, we are very, very avoidant of death. Yeah. I just think a lot of people feel like it's not okay to bring up. Like, they're worried about reminding somebody who's lost somebody of that loss. <laughs> which is stupid, because you're, like, thinking about it all the time anyway. So, like... <laughs> but I think, right, like, it makes sense then that Maggie turns to somebody who has also been through that and is not going to, like, yeah. be avoidant in the same ways. Yeah. I do think it's funny, because, like, I feel like our generation and, like, Gen Z is, like, way, way like, more, like, let's talk about death. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like way more like nihilistic and existential. <laughs> I wonder how much of this has to do with climate change. Like, <laughs> I feel like we all have this feeling that we're going to die horrible deaths because of climate change. We're all so, doomed. You know, might as well get talking about it early. Yeah. <laughs> Late doomed. stage capitalism. It's going to kill us all. Or you always like have those people who are like joking, like they're going to like run you over or something. And I'm like, just do it. I don't care. <laughs> it just gets all like, I don't know who your friends are and I'm <laughs> a little worried. <laughs> Actually, I do know who your friends are and I'm a little worried. No, like, like jokingly, like at work, like when someone like just like stops like right in front of you, like, you know, like a cart or something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like they're fucking with you. And then I make it like 10 steps further and I'm like, just do it. <laughs> care. Bring it on. (laughs) Danny, constantly making people uncomfortable. All the time. It did, though. It made me think a bit about this book. Um, It's called From Here to Eternity, Traveling the World to Find a Good Death. And it's by Caitlin Doty, who is kind of a, like, celebrity YouTube mortician. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Well, so she had, I mean, her YouTube channel for a while, it was like, like, people would ask her questions about death and funerals and that kind of stuff and she would answer them Uh um and she actually made that into her that was her second book the one that i was just mentioning and she made that into her third book which is called will my cat eat my eyeballs (laughs) so gives gives you the gist but like how she does like a lot of activism around death and around like trying to help people face death like well before it happens so that basically they're they're like less afraid of it and can have a better relationship with it and with people in their lives who become sick and might be dying. 
And so in this particular book, she travels around the world and does kind of like anthropological studies of death rituals in, in different parts of the world, which a lot of them are like super interesting. Like actually one of them is, I don't even know if it really counts as a like death ritual anywhere, but th I think there's some folks in the U.S. who are trying to do this like natural decay thing where you basically like compost yourself. And I kind of decided that that's what I want which <laughs> feels really weird. Um, but anyway. You want to compost yourself. <laughs> I want to compost myself. I, I want to be tree food. Uh, the, the point is, like, her whole thing is about, like, getting closer to death. And I read that book, like, right around when it was really hitting me that my dad didn't have, like, normal Parkinson's. Because I, I always had, like, a little bit of an inkling. My grandfather on my mom's side had Parkinson's for, like, more than a decade, and it wasn't what killed him. And it presented very differently from my dad's disease progression. And so, like, there was always this little part of me that was like, I don't, like, it doesn't feel like normal Parkinson's to me. Mm -hmm. But I guess it was like two and a half years ago was when I finally, like, psyched myself up to sit down and read about MSA. And my dad still didn't have MS, he still didn't have a, like, full-on MSA diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But I was just like... I think he might have been upgraded from like possible to probable or something like that around then. And I was like, all right, I need to read this. And I went and I like read everything that I could on the like few websites that exist. And it's like, it's, it's scary. It's, I'm not going to like recap all the stuff, but like, it, you know, it, it hit me exactly what the prognosis looks like, mm -hmm. like both in terms of the, the much more limited time and also just some of the like, scariness of the symptom progression and so I actually just found this Facebook group for people with MSA and their families which I am not joining because like 90% of the posts are just people panicking over their diagnosis and it, it's it's really heartbreaking but also like whoo why are Facebook groups always such a mess I mean it you know I, I think in that case it's just that it is a really hard thing to deal with and people are looking for some way to deal with it like it it's heavy stuff but that book, the Caitlin Doty book, reading it really helped me come to terms with a lot of, with my dad's diagnosis a lot. It helped me like process, figure out how I wanted to like engage with him while he's still alive, how to have some yeah. harder conversations about death that we hadn't had yet. And it, it helped me like process a lot of the anticipatory grief I was experiencing. So I really appreciated that, but it also just sort of, like, I feel like it's made me notice more things like this where, like, you really see just the lengths people will go to to avoid bringing up death or having it brought up in their presence. Interesting. If you're interested in, like, trying to find kind of, like, more, like, people to talk to about it, you could always try, like, Reddit. I feel like Reddit is more, like... God, no. <laughs> I, I have a but support group. But I feel like it's group. more it's open. Fine. I have a support group, okay. and that is good. I do not need internet randos. Sorry. <laughs> I think that's part of the problem for me, right? Like, I don't, I, it's such a personal thing to deal with. And I've had so many experiences because it's such a rare condition, especially, right? Like, I've had so many experiences with people who just, like, don't quite get it and sometimes ask really insensitive things. So I think, like, I just find it really interesting. Like, I, I feel like I have my bases covered largely between therapy and support group, but I also just think it's really interesting the way this, that so many people just don't 
don't want to engage with that possibility. Like, don't want to face head on that, like, death is a thing. It is happening. In the case of a progressive disorder, it's happening pretty quickly. Yeah. And, like, if you don't acknowledge that, I don't know how you're going to make the time to spend with the people that you love. Because you're always going to think that you're going to have more. Death is definitely really hard to face. Did you find that people had trouble talking to you about it after your grandfather died? Yes and no. I had a lot of people, like, I feel like bombarding me at first. Kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like, that kind of stuff. That I never respond to because it's just, like, too much. It's too overwhelming. But you never really get anyone who, like, gets into the nitty-gritty, you know, like, asks the, like, hard or deep questions. It's usually just kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, like, are you doing okay? Like, how's your family doing? Like, how's your grandma doing? Like, that's about the extent of it, you know? You don't get anyone asking anything too personal, usually. At least not in my case. But people are, like, they can be really intrusive, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like about certain things. They'll be like, oh, like, you know, like... What was it like when you, like, said goodbye or, like, for whatever reason, like, if certain things come up, like, oh, like, I've told people that, like, I wasn't really able to kind of, like, be around my great-grandma when she was dying. And, like, people would be kind of more, like, judgy, if anything, and be like, oh, well, like, why? Like, I would get stuff like that, but, like, I didn't – other than that, like, I haven't gotten too, too much. And and I feel like – if you continue to bring it up to, like, later, like, people just kind of, like, are like, oh, like, you're still sad about that? The stuff you're describing sounds kind of invasive, for sure, but I feel like I often wish that people would be willing to be a little bit more awkward. I have one friend who is really good at this, and I appreciate this, and I actually owe her a phone call because she's kind of, she's been going through some similar stuff. But she's one of those people who just, like, she will always get into it with you, whatever it is that you're dealing with. And she's really good at asking questions. And it like, I think something that I appreciate because I'm somebody who, who deflects very easily is I will say something deflecting and she will still respond to it in a way that I think is very um, sincere. So, <laughs> you know, I might say something like what uh, Emily said in that episode, like the ask if I'll ever feel joy again. And her response would be like, I'm really sorry you're feeling like you're never going to feel joy again. (laughs) And it's intense, but I think there's also, like, that's an important thing to do with people sometimes. Like, if if somebody is deflecting that much, just sort of acknowledging that that you see it and that you're willing to sit there, I think, is important sometimes. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of of people not acknowledging um, just tough emotions in general um not even just with loss like when it comes to like depression anxiety Mm -hmm. like hard things to talk about like I don't mind talking about the things if someone wants to have an honest and open conversation about it I mean like clearly I've talked about it on podcasts (laughs) multiple times but like it's just the fact that people don't want to have the conversation it's like they'll bring it up like oh how are you and if you start to even like be like you know like I'm not really having a great time like it's just like most people just shut that shit down you know they're like oh Oh, I'm sorry sorry bye bye (laughs) no one wants to have the real conversation especially like random people like yeah or like even just like coworkers or whatever like 
people basically are really inherently selfish, so they really only will care about people that they know. Well, and I think especially, right, America is a very individualistic place. We have a very individualistic culture, and so we're not raised in ways that, like, help us understand community care and, like, encourage us to rely on each other and to have solidarity with each other. (laughs) I've tried really hard over the years to get better about, like, reaching out to people, um, in general, like if I, because like I usually can pick up pretty well on if someone's like seems off, especially yeah. if I like, even if I only know them as like an acquaintance, it's just like you can tell, like, and especially because like I've been through. Yeah, and you're a pretty perceptive person. Yeah, I'm pretty perceptive, so it's like I pick up on it, and like I try my best sometimes to like reach out to someone just in case because it's like you know you could be that person's lifeline you never know what's going on in someone's life um so it's like if i feel like someone is not a hundred like i'm gonna probably say something to them like i know that i would want someone to do the same for me not that it it rarely ever happens but you know (laughs) i still like to try yeah and I don't know. I feel like that's an important thing I have learned getting older is to just try to like try to recognize it for what it is when someone's reaching out. Like if somebody's reaching out, they've already done a really hard thing and yeah. Just trying to figure out ways to be there with them and validate and affirm them as people. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that I really liked also though like going back to like that moment that um that Zoe had uh with Rose because like yeah. she didn't have to do that like she is max's ex and she doesn't really have a relationship with rose yeah she doesn't have a relationship she doesn't need to but because she came so sincerely like i feel like rose felt like the ability yeah to open up to her she felt which i just found i felt like that was so sweet like zoe probably would never have noticed without her powers Hopefully, like as we've said, that's something she's going to work on and be able to notice in the future. Yeah. But like, she could have totally just gone and like hung out with uh, Simon instead. Yeah, and just like been like, oh, she could have even like shrugged it off and like told Max like, oh man, I think you should talk to Rose. Like, but she didn't. She like yeah. actually went out of her way and like did it herself. So I really liked that. Yeah. Well. Speaking of community care, I think this is a, a good way to transition to the last topic for me, which is the broship between Max, Simon, and Mo. Because, like, I love the NSYNC song, yes, but the whole scene with their boys' night was great. And for me, like, one of the things I love seeing most on TV is depictions of close male friendships. And a lot of close male friendships and close male relationships rightly are interpreted as having a homoerotic flavor to them or even being bromance right like there's a lot of and like there's a long history of like coded queer relationships that can never see the light of day but i also really appreciate one like i really appreciate something like this where there isn't that coding right like these people are friends they're a group Mm -hmm. of i think the fact that it's like a diverse group of male friends of different sexual orientations helps with it as well but like where you really get to see them have like a a real emotional bonding like bonding on that emotional level where they're talking about their feelings where men are talking about their feelings with each other 
it's so important. Just murder the heck out of toxic masculinity. Um, and you just never, you never see it on television. It's so rare. So I really loved seeing them open up to each other in this episode. I do feel like the show does like, such a good job with that. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's no homophobia. <laughs> there's no like, there's no competition between the guys, even when they have the same sort of romantic interest. Yeah, like, I I love it. I love how they're all there for each other. Like, honestly, like, I'm there for that friendship. Yeah, and we see so many different configurations of friendships in this, of the friendships in the show, right? Like, we see Max and Simon, we see Max and Mo, we see Mo and Simon, we see all of them with Zoe and various configurations with Tatiana and with some of the other people at Spark Point. And it gives us this really rich picture of all of the different sides of these characters and also of their capacity for and different expressions of love. Yeah. And that's something I really like about Zoe and Simon's relationship. It like seeing that now after seeing Zoe and Max, cause like Zoe and Max are very earnest and intense together, but that intensity, right? Like it makes them a little less playful than Zoe, or maybe it doesn't make it, but like it contrasts with the like playfulness that we saw between Zoe and Simon at the beginning of 209. Um, And I don't think one or the other is inherently better. What's really nice is to see these different ways that people bring out love in each other and express love to different people. Yeah. I mean, I also don't think it's completely fair to Max, considering they got together just in the midst of. Oh, I don't think it's bad. I mean, like, I'm not judging it, right? Like, the intensity is nice too. I'm curious though to see like how their relationship, if they get back together, which they probably will, Mm -hmm. in the future, is without all of that like immediate grief hanging over her shoulders. Yeah, yeah, it will be really interesting to see. But I do think, right, like, they, I think that intensity is always going to be there a little bit because I think Max is intense, right? And that's a thing that's really nice about him is that, you know, he always is very, very clear and upfront about how he feels about Zoe and everything else. And everything else. <laughs> He's pretty honest. He wears his heart on his sleeve. What can you He's say? He's such a Taurus. He's such a Taurus. We really got to have, like, an astrology special or something because, like... I could get into that for a while. I think we'll have some time between this and and HIE, so. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah, I do. I'm very interested to see, like, how different their relationship can be Mm -hmm. and probably will be. And even just seeing, like, I feel like before we get into the heart songs, like, I feel like we should talk about, like, all the individual little relationships I don't not know. Like a lot. We have time for okay. I was like, I don't think we have time for not like, like deep a lot. Dive like not like an in depth deep dive. But like I was curious, like kind of like how you feel about like how do you feel about Max and Rose? Super and, cute and uh, Mo and Perry. Perry, yes. Though he's still credited as Fire Marshal Haskins. I noticed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I mean. Max and Rose, I think, are super cute. I think, like, they're a really good parallel to Zoe and Simon, right? It's a it's a relationship that has a little bit more of a, like, playful history to it. Yeah, it's kind of like they're both, like, this very, like, playful, like, I, I don't want to say innocent love, but, like... I think Max and Zoe are both very intense in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And Simon is, too. Like, we've definitely seen that. But he also has a very, very playful and joyful side. And I think, like, 
and right, like that was his extern. That's always been his external vibe. And so I think there's like a lightness yeah. to Simon and Rosanna that is parallel. I think Simon's intensity right now comes from the fact that he just knows that Zoe's keeping something from him. And I think that's mm. where it's coming from. Like that insecurity. Like, it's an insecurity. And, like, honestly, like, I got that a lot with uh, one of my exes. Like, he would just, like, lay it on thick and, like, be suffocating. Like, I – that's why I see, like, this potential of, like, Simon potentially becoming suffocating. I'm guessing so that I a lot of it open. comes from that one line when he's like, so what don't I know, what don't I know about you? Yeah. And I don't – I mean, like, Zoe's really obvious kind of, like, when yeah. she's, like, lying or, like, putting up a front. Yeah. So, like, that does not help her case. Um, but I do think, like, his intensity comes from that, for sure. Yeah. And he's kind of just a clingy guy, but, like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. And then I do also feel like with Max and and Zoe, like, if they were to come back together, like, I do feel like they need to explore just their friendship again. Yeah. You know, they need to get back to basics and know what it's like to just be friends. And not put so much pressure on themselves, because I do feel like that was... There was definitely some, like, soulmate pressure in there. Like, everything has to be right oh, all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I just, like, I mean, like, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but, like, I just, like, hate reading, like, just, like, all of the negativity that comes from the the, the Simon Zoe ship, and I just, like, can't help but read it as racist, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. There's, I don't know. There, I feel like there's... I'm a huge fan of The Flash, and I would see it a lot with a... With the main character, Barry Allen, and, and his wife, Iris. And people would always just try to, like, boil it down to, like, something like, oh, like, I didn't like that he, um, that they, like, were kind of, like, raised together. I just feel like, I don't know, like, aunties, there's always excuses. <laughs> With this one, I hear a lot of the, like, oh, it's the cheating thing. And I'm like, is it, though? Because, I mean, like... That's long like, over. And- so many people, so many ships... All across media, cheat, and people still ship that shit. Let's be real. And that's why I'm just like, this feels very racist. And like, yeah. like I've said many, many times, like I'm hardcore for Zomax, but I still love Zoe. I, su- I saw your note in there. Am I becoming a, uh, what did you call it? Is the Zyman? Zyman shipper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel like Zomax is where it's going to end up. I agree with you that like season one, Zy Zy Zyman. Okay, sorry, Zyman. But like season one, Zyman was not right. Like I think yeah. bond. Like they they really mostly had that trauma bond, and I think it would have yeah. been more uneven, um, like more unequal than Zoe and Max were with her powers because of that. I mean, there was so much. There's like they both lost their dad. He just got out of, like, this huge long-term relationship that he did kind of cheat on her with Zoe. And they'd also, like, just met, right? Like, I think that them having a year to, like, be friends first and develop a basis for a relationship that is not just that has been really great for them. And so, I love them. And I honestly feel like I would love if they ended up together. I just don't see it happening because, you know, we know how love triangles work on TV. Yeah. And you're not going to fool me again, Austin Winsberg. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like, we know. <laughs> Although, like, I love Rose. Like, I would not, I would not mind if either of those pairings ended up together because, like, honestly, like, I yeah. love Rose. Like, I love her. Still kind of hoping for a Rose McKenzie thing at some point. I would a oh, thousand percent be down for that. Thousand percent. And, like, I think the only other thing is, like, going back to, like, Mo and Perry, like, oh, man, I'm, like, really feeling for Mo. Like, this is a rough relationship. What do you and mean? Like, you really have to think, like, is this worth it? Oh, I, I, mm, <laughs> I, I disagree with you there. No, it's like, because you see the pain in his face constantly throughout these two episodes and, like, but this, he's like, also, internal struggle. Like, I think that's something that he has to learn to deal with is not always being number one in your person's life. And I think that's a, I think that's an important lesson. And I also think it's not going to be painful for forever. Perry does a really good job of making clear what his feelings are for Mo. And I, I think that that's going to help Mo feel less insecure about it. I absolutely like think that in the long term that they'll work out. But it is like rough to see. Just, like, because it's so constant over these, like, two episodes. Like, even, like, Simon makes a comment about it. Kind of like, is it worth it? And and Mo basically says that it is. Yeah. So, like, I do feel like it's going to end up being a good thing. It's just like, oh, I just kind of felt bad for him when, yeah. when Perry's like, oh, this is my friend. Yeah, it's hard. But it's, I think they'll get past that. Here's hoping. Because I do like them together. I do. Yeah. And you're still seeing some compromise, right? Like, Perry wasn't, felt like he wasn't ready to bring the kids to meet Mo. And he did anyway. And yes, it meant say, introducing Mo as his friend because he wasn't quite ready yet to be full on with his kids involved. But it's a step. I want to meet John Hamster. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that a good note to switch over to heart songs then? I think so. Okay, so heart songs. Um, we're gonna take these episode by episode. Um, so we'll start. We'll start with two hundred nine, and that had a whopping eight heart songs because of the glitch thing. In order, they were "Anyone" by Demi Lovato, which is sung by Max, and then later by Emily. "One" by Harry Nilsson, which is sung by Tobin McKenzie and the Spark Point Programmers. "Anything You Can Do" from Guys and Dolls, sung by Maggie. "The More I Drink" by Blake Shelton, sung by Mo. The Fox by, is it called Ilvis or Elvis? I never really knew. No clue. Anyway, what does the fox say? Sung by Simon. Um, uh, I Degaff by Dua Lipa, sung by Rose. And I Love on the Brain. Would you say it I-D-G-A-F? No, I would just say I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just looking, I mean, I was just looking at the title and it is listed as IDGA. Probably because so. they can't say the F word in it. Yeah, that's but probably yes. true. Yes. <laughs> um, Love on the Brain by Rihanna, sung by Perry's son August, and Rosanna by Toto, sung by Emily. I didn't know that song was by Toto. <laughs> Me neither. The things you find out when you're like looking shit up for, <laughs> for the podcast. Um, all right, so we'll start with favorites. What were your favorites? Y you can have two from 209 since there are so many songs. So my favorite, favorite, favorite is definitely I Don't Give a Fuck mm -hmm. by Rose. Like, loved the way she performed it. I love that fucking song. It was amazing. And I also love just, like, you can tell that, like, Katie Finley was like, how would Alex Newell perform this song? 
<laughs> like it's in her movements and like the way she accentuates the lines. So that's my favorite favorite. But my other one is probably Anyone by Max. Not surprising, right? Not surprising. <laughs> You're such a Max stan. I know. I just, I, am I a Max stan or am I a Skylar Aston stan? There's really like, I'm not sure. I just like love from the way. A, a little from column B. <laughs> I love the way he performed the song and he just like, he always gives his all, especially for like the emotional ones. Like he's really good at like that, like welling up. Like I, in my notes, I called it anime eyes. Because <laughs> it's like that like, Welling, but like not actually crying, but like you know, you can see the tears in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked what you mentioned about Rose, about a uh, Katie Finley thinking about how Alex Newell would move and how he would like how he would perform that song. Yeah, because right, like there is a little bit of a way in which this this is like our awkward body swap episode, right? Where everybody they don't they're not swapping bodies but they're swapping songs and so it's mm-hmm. sort of the way that's represented is is a twist on the body swap i was really close for like a second picking the what does the fox say song because it's just <laughs> like oh my god well, like i was so close to picking that but like i don't think anyone could perform that the way that john clarence stewart does and get away with it that performance was insane and i was dying just dying of laughter that was one of mine, so we'll <laughs> we'll get it. My I actually chose as my like primary one Emily's rendition of Rosanna slash anyone. Um, like for me, it was so it was it was just completely unbeatable. Um, mm-hmm. I think she just does a really amazing job of the switch between that like happy, you know, almost happy go lucky, like carefree vibe with Rosanna, and then going to that completely raw place with the way that she does anyone um and so that was like even even max's earlier performance couldn't beat that for me Mm. but i also wanted to have a fun one and for me it was kind of a tie between the fox because for exactly the reasons you said like nobody could have done that except for john clarence stewart um he just looks he's got such a like wild look in his eyes (laughs) the way he like (laughs) comes up and it just like Oh, uh, his little eyes! Like uh. he leans into how ridiculous it is, and I love it. <laughs> and then the one that was his like swapped one, which was uh, "Love on the Brain," because the the actor, the child actor, Rocco Morris. I was just not expecting that kid to open his mouth and be able to sing like that. Um, he completely killed it. I know. I love how. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> he's gonna break some hearts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird thing to say about a nine year old, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, especially with, like, no context. (laughs) Oh, but did, like, speaking of, like, Rosanna, oh, my God. Did you see Zoe's face when she realizes that that was Max's song? I actually, I really loved that as part of the performance because she's in it and thinking about what it means for her. And then it, like, switches for her, right? Mm -hmm. She It kicks in that, oh, shit, that's what this means. And Emily's in a seriously bad place. And oh, I need to take care of her, which yeah. I really appreciated. I thought that was I thought that was really well done. Yeah. So for the songs in this episode, because there's so many and because we also have to get through the second episode, I want to do them in, in the sort of pairs, the like switched pairs. So mm-hmm. we'll start with one and any anything you can do. I thought Maggie's performance was hilarious. 
Um, I love that Zoe called Mo in the middle of it. So like Maggie is dancing behind Zoe in the background, just like pulling off a top hat, which she got from somewhere. And then the programmers, of course, like <laughs> it's a really <laughs> confusing but brilliant rendition of one. Yeah, that was the hundredth musical number. Oh, that was the hundredth song. Oh, yeah, that okay, was the cool. I really liked when, as soon as Tobin and Mackenzie were fighting, I was like, oh, okay, so that's why Maggie sang Guys and Dolls, because I knew that was coming, right? Like, that's that's what it is. It's uh, anything you can do is, like, what they're acting out without actually singing the song before that happens. That song just brings me back to childhood. Anything you can do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, like, little boys versus little girls song. No, I'm better than you. Uh-huh. You have cuties. <laughs> yeah. It was really, like, both of them were just, like, so bizarre. Uh-huh. A lot of the performances were so bizarre in this, like. Yeah, which is part of it, right? Like, it's supposed to be disorienting. Yeah, it's supposed to be disorienting, obviously. I know you wanted me to mention this for my notes, so I'm going to mention it, how, like, both of those phones fucking suck. I would buy neither of those phones. No! No, I would buy neither of the phones from that number. They're trash. They Yes. I like the microphone just looked like, it looked like an old iPod Nano. Yeah, but like elongated. Like yeah, a longer yeah. iPod Nano. Or like Nano. a shitty remote control. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of the Apple TV remote, but like longer. Yes, that's the one. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> and then the, the macrophone. Megaphone. Megaphone. Yeah. Hating that one, too. Ugly. <laughs> too big. It's like, just get a fucking tablet. I, uh, and I know so I, old people who have tablets that make co- calls on them. They use them as a phone. Um, did you have any other things you wanted to say about those two numbers? No, not really. I mean, I thought that they were really cool and funny and disorienting, but, like, there really wasn't, like, a whole lot to, like, you know, talk about. Like, obviously, like, they killed it because they always do. Like, I really always like big numbers that involve, you know, everyone. Yeah, there's just so much energy. Mm-hmm. I really like Harry Nilsson. Even though that song is, like, done to death, I really like Harry Nilsson. It, it gives me tiny hope that maybe there'll be another Harry Nilsson song at some point. Um, maybe. he's kind of a fucking weirdo. <laughs> or was a fucking weirdo. All right, so then the next two are The More I Drink and I Don't Give a Fuck. <laughs> what did you think of Mo singing a country song? I mean, I hate country, so... I was not about it. I was not about it. Every single time that they not country in this episode, I was like, preach. (laughs) That is a classist opinion. I'm just saying. I mean, like, I like the occasional country. Like, I mean, like, Johnny Cash is a fucking classic, a legend. Like, you can't not like Johnny Cash. You also had better like Dolly Parton. I mean, yeah, Dolly Parton's great. Like, there's these classics, but, like, that's not new country. That's not how it is now. There is still country that that is like that. I mean, I think a lot of the more Blake Shelton is is more in the like. I'm not good at describing the different genres, the like different subgenres of country, but it it is a little bit more of the contemporary country that is a little bit more storytelling. But there's even some stuff there that's like really fun. Like Earl's Got to Die. I'm sorry, but like it's just like it's just that the the genre has a bad reputation. Okay, <laughs> and for good reason. I do like folk music, though, which is, like, the sister genre of country. Yeah, well, and I think the way I would say it is I feel like you lack a full understanding of country, right? Like, the stuff that you're talking about is a very narrow element of country. Um, And there's, I mean, 
top 40 country, okay? It's yeah, top yeah, 40 yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to probably ever try and, like, find country that I like, though. Like, No, I mean, you don't have I'm to. A, I'm in a pop punk music. I'm not going to fuck with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, you might not want to lump it all together, because there is some... I mean, right, Lil Nas X had a top 40 country hit. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> So, just yeah, saying. <laughs> it's just the one country song. That's all he wanted to do was just the one, and then the rest is just, like, you know, rap. Which is great. I think he's Yeah, awesome. I mean, I think, he'll do, I think he'll do all sorts of things, whatever he fucking wants, because he has I would that. love to see them perform anything from Lil Nas on the show. Yeah, that would be amazing. But yes, I hate country. I'm just going to leave it at that. But it was so crazy to see Mo sing that. I, I don't know. It's just so weird. Alex Newell singing country is just something I didn't ever expect. Um, and you talked a little bit about Rose's performance or Katie Finley's performance um, of the Dua Lipa song. Is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like I said what I had to say. Like, you know, like I really liked just how she accentuated the performance. And I feel like she definitely like took note of like how Alex Newell would have performed the song. I just love that song. I, I like. I love the original song too, um, and I just I'm happy that Rose gets to sing in the show, like for real, like not just like yeah. a little bit. They're using Katie Finley's talents as they should. I really appreciated. I feel like when Mo sang "Country," that was the moment when I knew, like for sure, for sure, what was going on because Mo he would never sing "Country." Mm-mm. He might sing Lil Nas X, but he would never sing most country and definitely not like top 40 country like Shelton. Yes, no, he would not. He yeah. was so offended. He was very offended. And so I think that genre swapping was a really smart move as a way to clue us in. And of course, like both Alex Newell and Katie Finley did a great job. I really appreciated that even when the genres don't necessarily fit with the characters. The songs still work really well with their voices, so you still get a great performance out of it. Oh, yeah. All right. So next is The Fox and Love on the Brain, which was my favorite swap because, as we were talking about, like, John Clarence Stewart just goes, like, face first into the weirdness of singing What Does the Fox Say? (laughs) Like, at work for Simon. Um, And also because that young actor was just amazing. Like, I just, I I don't know. I, it just, I really wasn't expecting a little child star to be able to sing like that. So, Oh my God. It reminded me of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Rebecca's brother. Oh yeah. Who like, was like really fucking amazing at singing. Though he, that actor is also, you can hear the auto tune in that one. A little bit, and I think I that was the point, that. though, because he was yeah, singing true. about being. Oh no, no, like no! A I'm not saying I'm not saying it wasn't, but I do think like he they they also like part of the point for him was for him to be a like child Broadway mm-hmm. wannabe, but this was just a a kid. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, but it, it just reminded around. me of that, like like not expecting this yeah. like incredible performance, but getting it. Yeah. And I was just, like, full-on expecting, you know, like, the singer of whatever song it was to be Perry, and it wasn't. So it was just, it was a nice little... Yeah. Well, and it makes more sense, right? Like, of course, if it's going to be this ridiculous song about the fox, it's going to be the kid who's the one who, like, has it in their brain. Which is crazy, though, to think about it, too, like, in in context is, like, 
he had already sang the song before like this event in time happened. Like that's crazy, you know? Like yeah. kind of like a it's there's more to that power than Yeah. It sees the future. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point that they didn't address and we had not yet addressed is that there's a time travel element to yeah, what's going on. Yeah, just a little bit. Maybe that's what she got from the psychic. Maybe. So I guess she was a medium, not necessarily like a future psychic. Yeah. Okay. And then I talked about it a little bit before, but the uh, the last set for the songs is the Rosanna Anyone performances. So yeah, what did you think of those? Obviously, as I said before, I loved Max's performance. It was divine. No, <laughs> I mean, I immediately knew something was up after he sang that yeah, song, said. too, though. It was just like, um, what? Because <laughs> he's definitely not upset right now. And, like, I know that they were, like, they made a joke about it. Kind of like, oh, well, like, you gotta dig deeper to see if it's, like, a, if he's just, like, lying. And I'm like, I don't see Max lying. I did kind of wonder, like, I didn't I didn't catch it at that point because I think we have had these moments where he tries to, like, hide how he's feeling, especially knowing, like, especially when they were in their relationship, right? Like, he didn't always want her to have access to that. Yeah. And so I, I could have seen him doing that, like, using it as a kind of deflection. Um, but I do think it's really interesting and perceptive of you to pick up on it so quickly. I just felt like this doesn't feel right. That, and I mean, <laughs> we knew it was a glitch episode too, so I was like, something's going on. But yeah, I loved his performance. As I said, it was definitely like my second favorite. And then the Rosanna slash her singing anyone as well was was really beautifully done. The like shift between the two, and like you'd mentioned, and it's just like such a, a like harrowing scene in general like just gut-wrenching because you realize what's going on and and, you know it's just like I think anyone that has depression or has had depression it's just like it's just like this immediate familiarness that you don't want to be familiar with (laughs) yeah all right that's the episode 209 heart songs down so we'll move to 210 for this episode, we had a much more standard five heart songs. Make You Feel My Love by Adele, which David sings. I didn't know that was an Adele song. I didn't either. I'm actually still not 100% positive that's the original. I should have double-checked that. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like it's older than Adele. Yeah. Though, yeah, okay. Well, I'll Google that at some point and make a correction if I need to. Cheap Thrills by Sia, sung by Deb. I was a little disappointed they had a Sia song, but whatever. Tearing Up My Heart by NSYNC, sung by Maximo and Simon. Gasoline by Halsey, sung by Emily. And I Look to You by Whitney Houston, sung by Mo. So yeah, which one tore your heart into? Well, <laughs> I I am a diehard NSYNC fan. Diehard. Had a huge crush on Lance Bass. Was very disappointed, you know, <laughs> after certain <laughs> events unfolded. Also very disappointed that it's not actually Lance Bass on the circle. Spoilers! (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I was so happy to see that. I think think it's like, and I I told you this immediately, also, I'm pretty sure this is my favorite number on the whole, in the whole show. I don't know why, just really, I was just like, yes, (laughs) I was feeling it so hard. And the way that they all, like, just, like, sang together, and it was nice to hear them sing together. Yeah. A very, very close second would be Gasoline, though. I love that song. I love 
Halsey, obsessed with Halsey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Gasoline was really, really good. But overall, Sync was my favorite. Quick question. If you had to choose one and only one band to keep, would it be Sync or the Jonas Brothers? Oh, Jonas Brothers. Hardcore. Just, yeah. Hear that, Lance Bass? I think they've sang two Jonas Brothers songs on... I think so. Yeah. No, one Jonas Brothers song, one Nick Jonas song. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Nick Jonas is my one true love. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with you though that the NSYNC number was the best, I, especially like they slowed it down, and it was just like so sincere. I just I died immediately on contact. I am deceased now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was just, I mean, that whole scene. I told you, I really love the way that they like leaned into the male friendship and like having them have this moment of like emotional sincerity of talking to each other and of course to put a boy band as the soundtrack to that i thought was perfect i mean they would make a lovely boy band obviously Mm-hmm. so let's take the rest of the songs in order first is make you feel my love I thought it was really nice to see David sing a sweet song because he, he usually gets things that are like a little more rock and roll and less emotional. So I just thought it was a nice change. Get to hear the choir boy part of his voice. He had such a, like a like a delicate voice, you know, in general. Like yeah. It's very like light and airy. And I, I like his voice is very different than any of the other males on the show. Yeah. And I think that's really great. And like they really pick these songs that like I feel like showcase his ability to sing the way he does. Yeah. I mean, I think he has that very liquid tone, right? Like it's not. Yeah. I don't know the proper names. these days for I don't any... think I do either right now. But, <laughs> but I like I think he sounds more like somebody in like a choir. Whereas a lot of the rest of them sound like pop stars or like R&B or whatever else. I think he sounds like he sings in a choir. And so it's nice to to get things that I think. His singing voice makes me think of like 90s soft rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little. Yeah. So the next one is Cheap Thrills. And yeah, I like I was a little disappointed they included a Sia song. But like, I don't know how aware they were of like the Sia controversy. And I think she, like, apologized for the shitty things she said last last year, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, it just, like, it, it frustrated me. It was still, though, a really good performance. I like that Bernadette Peters is back. The song definitely fits her personality. I was not 100% sure it was a heart song <laughs> for a while because yeah, it just, like, it so, was so fits weird. who she is as a character. Yeah, like, you could totally see her just, like, you know, doing that as her grand entrance into the family home. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely could. Especially, yeah, she she nailed it. I mean, once he, once you told me the thing about Sia, like I I like definitely understand like your frustration. Like I I had no idea about it. Um, I I think that like what happened is pretty gross. I mean, if anyone wants to know, they can quickly Google it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always been kind of just, like, met about her to begin with because, like, I really, like, didn't, like, she always kind of rubbed me the wrong way, especially after her video for Elastic Heart with uh, Shia LaBeouf in it. And Oh, yeah. I I had forgotten that she had Shia LaBeouf in that other video and, right, like, he's a sketchy character as well. Obviously, as what has come to light. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I was a little frustrated they included it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, like... 
we talked about a little bit before, like to each other, it's just like, it's very possible that they, they could not choose another song. I'm sure they've had the rights for a while and. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, and I, right, like, I am i don't feel like I want to be in the business either of, like, making excuses or of condemning them, because, right, I really have no idea how this stuff happens. I'm not, like, well-versed enough. I just was personally a little disappointed. But, again, Bernadette Peters killed it, so as for an actual performance, it was nice. Yes. Okay, I feel like we've talked about tearing up my heart enough, so we, we can probably skip that unless there's anything that you want to add to your earlier comments. I mean, like, the only thing I would probably add is just, like, uh, like the, the number itself, like, the way that they perform it, how it, like, kind of, like, goes in and out of the rooms. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it was yeah. so well done and, like, yeah. how they each individually kind of make it their own thing. Like, I, I really like that. But other than that, I think that's about it. Well, then that puts gasoline next so why don't you tell us a little bit more about yeah like I mean I know you love the song itself but tell me more about what you liked about the performance I loved the choreography and I know like a lot of people have probably pointed that out online like it was very unique like her like looking through you know like the the side of the like stall and I mean like the choreography was insane like how do you even shoot something like that so she just killed it she put a lot into that performance too. Like it just yeah. seemed like a completely draining performance, which really just like fits the song and obviously the postpartum like storyline. Yeah, the way they filmed it and the and the choreography, like it almost felt like a horror movie to me. Yeah, right? like like The Ring or something, right? Like the way that it was just you're because it's that confined space. The way that she's using her body in it mm-hmm. is also like contorted and confined yeah and you mentioned this to me before i can't remember if you mentioned it in the earlier part of the podcast or not about like uh zoe reaching under and grabbing her hand at the end Mm -hmm. which i also think was just amazing so yeah there was there was like this incredible energy to that performance that was really sad because like you know that that energy is a front Mm mm-hmm so, I don't know. I've been just super impressed by Alice Lee in these last couple episodes. Yeah, she is so talented. And I'm so mm-hmm. glad that they are using, like, that to the fullest extent that they can in this season. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we were talking about this, that, like, Emily really didn't get a ton of play last season. Mm-hmm. And you can't just keep her being just David's wife, right? Like, she needs more depth. And so seeing her get real storylines of her own and ones where she's at the center and not just at the periphery, I think, has been really a great thing about this season. Yeah. They're they're definitely just, like, branching out into more characters in general. Like, it would be really great to kind of see them explore some of the other characters as well in more in-depth. Mm-hmm. Like, Mackenzie, who we just met this season, and, and Rose as well. Like, see, like, what's, like, really, like, their story. Because it seems like they're going to be around for a while. And unfortunately, like, COVID's obviously kind of, like, made it so that they can't appear in every episode. Because I've really been me- missing my Leaf and Tobin. They've barely been in those last couple episodes. You've been but missing I know that your they're... Leaf. I've been missing my Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, I mean, like, I get it. I get it. And, and obviously, yeah. like, they weren't – like, there's so much going on in those two episodes that it's, like, I get why, like, they're not really there. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the heart song section. <laughs> no. 
You forgot I look to you. Oh, you're right. I, I skipped right down it on the page. Okay, well, the first thing I have to say about I Look To You is only Alex Newell could sing a Whitney song. And I'm so glad they gave him this one because it's, it's such a wonderful song. It gives him a chance to show off most in Searside. And I don't know. I just, I really appreciated it. So that's what I have to say. <laughs> I liked it too. Just for whatever reason, I just wish it didn't take part in a church. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I know church is, like, big for Mo's character. Yeah. Church is big for him. And he has a complicated relationship with the church. And so I think having some of those things set there, it's important to bring that back and not leave this this thing that is a very big part of him out just because it doesn't, like, fit the narrative of Zoe's storyline. Yeah. All right. So now we're now we're done with hard songs. <laughs> yes final thoughts man like i like we've talked about so much i know i just hope that like the like i feel like this season is like really like hit its stride and i'm like i'm hoping that like that continues Mm -hmm. you know like i just like don't like i really hope so and we only have like three episodes left right yeah i really don't want any filler like i just just keep going. Um, I'm with you there, and I'm also afraid of being left on a cliffhanger because the show. Since on the we bottom. don't have a renewal, yeah, I really hope that they at least get one more season because you know that it's yeah. going to end like not like there's not going to be enough finality to whatever happens in the finale, and like I really hope they get at least one more, and that if they get that one more, they get the notice like this is your last season, like yeah. So many shows end in these, like, just half-ass ways that could work as yeah. either. And I just, like, I hate that. Like, I get it, but I hate it. <laughs> I feel like I was so spoiled growing up by the um, Star Trek Next Generation finale. It's just, it was, like, the perfect series finale, and they knew it was coming. And so they they did the thing. It's a bookend from the first episode. So the very first episode has has John Delancey, who plays Q, in, like, as an introduction, being this, like, crazy trickster god, and he puts humanity on trial, and then at the end, he comes back and puts them on trial again, but it's, like, all, it's a, it's a different trial, and there's a different mystery to figure out, and so it, you know, it ends sort of the same way it began, except for with a little bit of a, it was about friendship all along, loss. Mm. Interesting. Um, you know, not all shows end amazingly when they know that they're ending. Um, yeah, that's case true. In point, case in point, Game of Thrones. It's like, can you believe it's been oh. two years since that shit ended? Can you believe it took so fucking long? It was so drawn out. Ugh. I know. And, like, even with breaks in between, it's like they had so much time to make the perfect final season and they just missed the mark. It's so funny because I used to be like, oh, like anytime anyone's like, oh, what are some of your favorite shows? I would always list Game of Thrones. And now I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it has. I mean, it obviously hasn't been erased from cultural memory memory, but I feel like it it, it's so irrelevant now. Yeah. Like, you know, you'd see like merch for it like everywhere. Yeah. I never see merch for it anymore. Like at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel sorry for the actors. I do too, and like the thing is, is like if you watch interviews, you could tell like like a lot of them weren't happy with with the way that yeah. everything ended. Especially now that there's been some time away from it, they've 
they've started to become more honest about it. Get a little leakier. Yeah. So, yeah, this isn't about Game of Thrones, but yes. <laughs> we hope right. that we get another season. And like I was yeah. saying, like, in our last episode, I think, like, if you see a poll asking, like, what shows you want to be renewed, make sure you're mentioning Zoe's. It's very important. We're, like, at a very important moment in the season because it's on the bubble and we're about to enter May sweeps, which is just a huge thing in like the entertainment industry. So just make sure you're being vocal about loving the show because that's the easiest way to get something renewed. I don't know what the numbers look like, but like as much as viewing numbers are important, like honestly at this point in time, social media presence is actually even more important. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said as far as final thoughts. I do feel like the show is really hitting its stride, um, and I'm I'm just loving that, and I, I agree. I hope that that continues. Um, I think the note I want to leave on is the one that I kind of started on. I think what I am most excited about with respect to these episodes and what they sort of prefigure for the next few mm-hmm. is this journey that Zoe's taking – to really address her powers and not like and address her grief which are sort of one and the same thing but like to go to therapy and to take this head on and to stop avoiding everything in her life (laughs) so that's that's what I'm excited about I'm absolutely excited to see her better herself as well It, it just feels like a long time coming yeah and uh on that note I think we're done with this double episode listeners thanks for joining us if you like what you heard leave a review on apple podcasts help people find the show and as always we're on twitter and instagram at our extra pod see you next week for episode 211 bye bye